Hello and I'd like to welcome everyone to We Go Again podcast. It's Kristen Smith sitting over here in Germany this week. And here in Berkshire, it's me, James Barkley. Um, yeah, this is going to be an interesting one, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether to start briefly to go through the Champions League draw as that was just been made tonight. Yeah, it looks then interesting. Move on, to, move on to our main story. I think that's probably the better way of doing it because there's some strange things going on now i noticed um in i watched the live stream of it today normally would i would be at work but i finished a bit early today and at least the honest in the groupings they say for tv that's one of the considerations yeah i mean that doesn't surprise me for it it's the biggest club competition in the world isn't it they want the biggest matches as early as possible in the tournament so that doesn't surprise me. I mean, I'm I'm looking through it, and um, obviously, uh, as a Barcelona fan, um, and my whereabouts in Germany are you, by the way? I'm in Bremerhaven. Okay, so okay, because my German team, as you uh, may or may not know, is Bayer Leverkusen. So I've got two teams in the Champions League this season, and um, well, Barcelona's group is tough. They got Borussia Dortmund and Inter Milan, along with Slavia Prague, but. Um, I think Leverkusen might be uh, looking at third place in theirs because they're with Juve and Atletico Madrid. So that is one hell of a good... And Lokomotiv Moscow, which... I was going to say, fair, it's not easy going to Moscow. <laughs> that's not going to be easy for Leverkusen. I would I would kind of put them on a on an even keel. So that that could be interesting. But my God, Man City got an easy group. Well, they, it depends. Got, I mean, a couple, of, a couple of dodgy trips away to Shakhtar and Dinamo Zagreb. Um, and Atalanta... Unknown a bit, force. Well, they're a, a bit deceiving because they um, they they could even be debutants. They haven't been in it for a long, yeah, long time, which is are. why they said yeah. first season. But they were they were superb in the uh, in Serie A last season. Um, so I I haven't really kept tabs on their transfers. I don't know at this moment in time if their squad's still intact. Um, their manager went to AC Milan though, so that's that's a big loss for them. Um, so that could be tricky but come on if man city don't comfortably go through that group there is something seriously wrong i know that atalanta are interested in a couple of uh, liverpool youngsters so it's uh, it could be something it's, it's an interesting group though and you would say on, on paper it seems to be um an easier group but there's some choice ties in there like yeah. PSG and Real Madrid yeah and Galatasaray group. in that group for group yeah, measure as well um I'm loving the look of Tottenham's group just from a, a hipster point of view with um um Red Star Belgrade or um what is it uh, Servanus Vesder or something they they like to call themselves now have they um uh, Red, Red Star Belgrade yeah yeah but that's famous famous old club from well, 30 35-ish years ago, early to mid-80s, I think they were quite quite good in the European Cup, weren't they, and, and yep. European competition. And they have and, won it before. Yep, of course. I, um, it, that was, what would that have been, about 83, 84, something like that, I think. Yeah. Um, but, of course, with Bayern Munich and, uh, and Olympiacos in there as well, that's, that's going to be a very, very good group. Um, Liverpool shouldn't have too many problems with Napoli, Salzburg and Genk. <laughs> that shouldn't be too... I mean, yeah. Napoli will be tough. Napoli will be tough. Yeah. I think the revenge for last season's call, and also the pre-season. Um, yeah. They got hammered in pre-season yeah. by them. Um, group G and H, both of those, 
other groups to watch for me. Um, Group G, Zenit St. Petersburg, Benfica, Lyon and Leipzig is... I cannot pick who goes out of that, who finishes... I, I could probably put, predict who finishes where in that group and get all four positions wrong. It, that is such a tough group. Um, and then Group H, Chelsea's group with Ajax, Valencia and Lille. That is a brilliant group as well. So for, for even for when your team's not playing or if you're a neutral fan in the whole competition... There are some mouthwatering groups in there, and you, I don't, um, I don't always like the group stage. I mean, a lot of people don't. A lot of dead rubbers usually, but since they started pairing big clubs together, it has made it a hell of a lot more interesting. And you, you often get three really strong teams, um, like Bayer Leverkusen. Um, they are a good, good side. They've got a lot of exciting young players like Leon Bailey and Kai Havertz, and to be in there with Atletico and Juventus, that's that's just a one mouthwatering group as well. And I'd say Dortmund are probably my pick to win the Bundesliga and Inter Milan are loosely the team that I would follow if I was watching, when I watched Serie A, um, due to football manager, I had a save with them and I loved it. Um, and I love the shirt as well. Um, so yeah, there's some absolutely wonderful, wonderful looking groups and matches coming up. I can't wait. No, it's going to be, great and you think of all the money that's floating around that'll be flying around in in that mm. <coughs> excuse me and it's just phenomenal some of those matches going to be which is why they want them on tv and they want it they want to make sure that the tv is a reason why teams can't be grouped together so it doesn't just go on your it doesn't just go on your um association it also goes on the tv deal that the TV w- wouldn't want, like Manchester Spurs, because uh, they basically they they divide up the Tuesday and Wednesday night games, and they divide them up. A, B, C, D, E play on one night. E, F, G, H play on the next night, and then reverse, as we know. Yeah. So what they want to make sure is that the associations, like the English Football Association, you have four teams in they are able to split them out so that we have two two teams two on each night. playing on each night yeah rather than having four on the same night and stuff i mean yeah it's the, it's the same for all the um all the nations with four isn't it? it's the same for germany yeah um and and obviously for for spain as well so yeah i mean it's 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 the fair way to do it. I haven't watched the Champions League draw live for a long time because it takes like 12 hours. I just can't be bothered with it. <laughs> I, I just wait for I, it to pop through on my phone. That's the exciting bit when you no, you get your notification of the group. That's that's my highlight when that comes through. <laughs> well, it was just the first time I've watched it in a very long time. Yeah. It's just because I happened to be finished and, and was going on thinking, oh, okay, it's, it's six o'clock for me. And oh, I'll see when the, the draw's been made. Oh, it's going on about how good this person is and how good that person is and what i don't understand is how um the president uefa president's trophies handed out because Cantona stopped playing years ago yeah he won it this year beckham stopped playing years ago he won it last year but is it saying that beckham has done things more in his retirement which is why he won it before Cantona and what's Cantona's speech was something to behold, uh, as per usual. But uh, going back to it, it's all about the money. Mm. It is the richest club competition in which, the world. Which is why they want to extend it. 
I don't yeah. know if you've I don't know if you've seen the plans for that to bring back the second group stage, which was awful. I yeah. can't believe this. Well, I can believe it. It's more money, but they talk about playing it on a weekend and things. And how's that going to work? So yeah, I mean that's probably something for another day. We probably shouldn't get in that into that today. No, let's let's go with the positives of the excitement of the draw being made, along with the the pain and misery that if you live in Bury and you happen to be a Shakers fan and you're looking at 125 years, they're not out of existence. This is the thing. Yeah, they've been it's expelled from the league. Which means, in theory, they could continue and they could become Bury FC and they could go back to Northern Premier Division North East or whatever one they would be in and they could start playing still as Bury. So you could spin it as a positive like that, maybe, but effectively you do have 125 years of uh, and FA Club glory and all sorts of things um, over the last 125 years, which now effectively you could say that they are going to be dead and buried yeah if you pardon the pun um yeah um i mean it's hard every time i i listen to a podcast or radio about this i mean i just i think about what if that was my club and you know I, i it almost brings you to tears and i've you know i've got no affiliation with the club other than We've played them many a time down the down the years um, at Huddersfield because growing up, you know, we were always in the third division, occasionally in the second division, occasionally in the fourth. But we would cross paths very, very often with Bury. I think I talked to you after we came off air last last week and saying, you know, we had, I think there was like a couple of seasons where one season we we went to Gig Lane and we won six nil, and then the following season we went there and we lost six nil, and we've had a couple of four all draws there. One where I think we were four nil down at half time and came back, and you know so they, we do have um, some memorable encounters with them in our history. It's you know it's it's a say we've got a, there's a lot of a lot of clubs like that that we've you know Swansea's and and um, uh, Hull City Rob's Club and you know that have gone on into the Premier League and of course we've done it as well but I you know we've, we've got our problems at the minute with with our form on the pitch but right now I, just, I don't care about that I just I don't care what division we're in I don't care what our form's like you know all I care about is that the club's still there and you know back at the beginning of the century um, early 2000s we were in danger of, of this happening we went into administration I think we were one of the last clubs that didn't get a points penalty for going into administration and you know we were we were on our arse and we were very very close to going out of business until we were taken over by the Huddersfield Giants owner Ken Davey and then fans don't like him either because of what he did and then the legend that is Dean Hoyle came along and took us on this unbelievable ride that we've been on um so it, you know as uh, as most of my life being a lower league fan or a fan of a lower league club it, it really hits close to home when a, when a team like this happens, uh, something like this happens to a team that we, that we've encountered many, many times. And it's absolutely, it's heartbreaking. It's infuriating. Um, you know, you want to, you want to blame everybody without knowing exactly who to blame as a, as an outsider. Um, you know, you want to blame the EFL for expelling them, but then you think they had no choice. Um, you want to blame uh, Steve, uh, yeah, Steve Dale, 
but he's only been in charge since December. So then you go back to Stuart Dare, the previous owner, who incidentally was a Huddersfield fan, or is a Huddersfield fan. He was in charge for a long time. But he even goes back to before him. Um, they have been so badly run for years. Um, I've been hearing reports that they've been, they were gazumping teams in a higher division for players. I mean, they, in League Two last season, I know that, that most of the, I think, you know, the whole of League Two is really angry with them because they got promoted, of course, last season. And it turns out they did it by, you know, spending money they didn't have. Um, so I know that the League Two clubs are not happy with them. Uh, of, of course, League One clubs won't be happy with them because they haven't played a match this season. Um, and it, there's just, it's just such a convoluted situation. There's just so much blame to go around. And yes, they could carry on under under their original name um i can't see it because it's still august i mean it's 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 august and we've had a club kicked out of the league and it could have been two as i'm sure we'll come on to and it and it's still august i mean that is the scary thing here I, th- this to me says that we're going to have some uh, we're going to have something similar bef- before the end of the season um they're the first team 1992, wasn't it? Maidstone and Aldershot yep. were expelled. So they're the first team since then. So it was not an easy decision for the EFL to make. They've given them every opportunity. I know people keep saying, "Oh, we had three, three new bid, uh, three new interested parties coming in on dead, you know, on the day of the, the uh, the deadline on uh, on Tuesday." It's like, well, where were they in the two weeks leading up to that? Um, you know, I mean, this uh, C and N or whatever they were called, they were desperate to buy the club. They they did everything they could, but in their statement, they said it just every time they went down one little rabbit hole, they ended up with five more in front of them. And it was the club was, was tied in knots with what it owes to who and how much. And it, it just gets worse and worse and worse the, the deeper you dive into it. Um, it's, it's a horrible situation. Um, they've been, I, I, I wouldn't because. FC United used to play there, of course, um, up until, I think it was 2014, yeah, they moved out. To, and I, yeah, I just, they built their own. So they would have been paying rent. Um, and, it, you know, it wouldn't have been a small rent. For a club like Bury, that would have been a fairly sizable income. And I just wonder if they've carried on as if that rent was coming in um, and just carried on with the same budgets. I don't, I just, yeah, I don't understand how you can run a, a football club or a business that badly. Um spending money you haven't got i mean i I don't know if you read it i sent an article from 2014 by the brilliant david con yeah Uh, the gig lanes mortgaged up to the hill yeah that um stuart dare borrowed uh a hundred a million pounds secured on gig lane and with the compound interest it was 138 percent interest which meant it would be nearly two and a half million pounds to be paid back just in the first year um and (laughs) <laughs> it's just mind-boggling and it's not the only loan that's been taken out against gig lane so that's got to call into question the stadium itself um i mean i looked on wikipedia earlier it is apparently owned by the club by bury fc not owned by the council or anyone like that so i don't know what that means now if the club does get liquidated which i can't see any other option if they haven't got any income they haven't got any matches they, I don't see how they can carry on as an entity if they've got no income. I, just, I can't. I can't see anything other than going out of business at some point. Um, 
so what then happens to the ground does steve dale own it as the chairman um if there's no he's he's set himself up as a creditor saying he's owed seven million okay so if there's no bury fc and yet bury fc on the ground who owns the ground where does they what... won't when it's when it's liquidated they'll have to sell all their assets so they'll have to sell a ground as and first... if it's mortgaged if there's mortgages against it the mortgage will get really first steps so it's going to end up as flats then or a shopping yeah it's already been uh, I was reading uh, an article in the Times and basically what they said is that gig with with all the loans on gig lane even if they make a Phoenix club they won't be playing there well I no, would no way they could just as a side note then you know when I will say when not if they come back as a Phoenix club I hope FC United reach out to them and return the favor and I'm sure they will um, but the thing that baffles me about um, about Steve Dale is, I mean, he's not a football fan, so why are you buying a football club, especially um, especially a League Two club at the time? I mean, why why think that was a good idea? And he didn't even know that there was a football club in the town of Bury, so the alarm bells would have been ringing then. Um, he has been involved apparently in forty three companies that have gone into insolvency which, I mean, how does that make him pass the ownership test? I'm not going to use the term fit and proper because it's not officially called that. It's officially called, I think it's the ownership and director test, and you've basically, you can't be serving a criminal conviction and you can't be serving a director ban. Um, but if he's, been in, if he's been involved in 43 companies, how has he passed that? Um, that beggars belief. Um, ah, it's just... It's, I mean, it, it, it's laughable, and it, it's just heartbreaking. I, I, I heard a story of there's a pub very close to the ground which survives all year based on the income during the season. It can handle being dead for the, for the uh, summer months because the match day income keeps it going, and it, it makes all its annual income during the season. So now that's going to close down because they're not going to be able to carry on operating. Um, Ryan Lowe, the... Plymouth manager who was the Bury manager um he was on I think he was on the debate I've listened to so many podcasts on five live and sky sports about this um yeah, it's confusing now to remember who was on what but he's gutted as well because he's a bit of a legend at Bury because he's got a lot of goals for them as a player and was as a manager uh, took them up before moving down to Plymouth where he's doing a good job as well um we've had I heard a player saying I can't remember who it was. It might be Michael Brown because I think his boy was in the 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 academy. So you know, talking about the heartbreak that their parents have had to say, you know, to tell their kids that their club isn't there anymore, that they now don't have a team to play for. You know, and these are like under 11s, and uh, and it's you know, I've got a 10 year old boy. So think, you know, if he was mad about football, telling him that his, you know, that his club's not there anymore, it's just. It, it's just it affects so many people they're right when they say it. it's a it affects the whole community they're not, they're not a big club then you know but they are they are bury they are the town of bury and it affects so many people so many people are now going to be out of a job not talking about just the players you know you've got the ticket office staff the the club shop staff you know all these people that are not on football money they're on minimum wage or just above probably that are that are now out of work and you know that's there's, there's homes at risk here and it, it's it's unbelievable that that we that in 2019 that we're we're in this situation 
especially in August. Yeah, I'm going to do my usual devil's advocate bit here and say it was a badly run business that's gone out of business. It is, yeah, absolutely. It is. And that's unfortunately what football is. Above, above probably the Northern Prem, you're looking at businesses. Yeah. Some of them are run well, some of them are run badly. And I was looking at the profits. The, out of the 92 league clubs, there was only some like I think 20 of them made a profit. Mm. And I think I think we I think we were one of them at Huddersfield in the Premier League season, but that's because we had Premier League money coming in. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it's amazing how many. Uh, there was a there was a stat on again on the debate on Sky, which I, I listen to the podcast. I don't watch the show. Um, the podcast is good. Um, there was a, uh, so, uh, the championship clubs. I think it was just the championship clubs in 2017 spent 106 percent of their income on wages. I mean, yeah. how is that even? That's that just blows you. I mean, <laughs> if I spent 106 percent of my income, I'd be out in the street in six months. If that, so I just, I don't, it just, I can't get my head around how badly run these clubs are and that's why it's put put it into perspective i i now i don't really care if if huddersfield don't win a game all season as long as the club is run um and is self-sufficient and we're not relying on anyone and we're not you know we're not spending money we don't have i don't care anymore i just i all i want is for my club to to be around when i've got grandkids or you know i'm i'm 80 and i'm in my dotage and i can still at least look out for the result on a Saturday. And, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's hit hard this week. It really has. It, it has been, it's been pretty bad. And it's, it's shocking that, like you say, it's this time early in the season. But I don't see that everyone's slating the Football League, but they had... Nothing else no they really do. No, they, they've given them every opportunity. They get, you know, they've given them the um, the two weeks, and then they gave them the uh, the bank holiday weekend, you know, to give them a chance to stay up, uh, to stay in business, to stay uh, viable. And unfortunately, you know, they 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 work night and day. You could, I've, I don't know if you've heard the interview with um, Debbie Jevons, the the, um, the chief of the EFL. I mean, I haven't heard the full interview, no. No, but you can you can um, tell that she's absolutely devastated by it as well. I mean, she's almost in tears when she's when she's talking about it. I mean, they don't they. they 30, sorry, just to interject. Yeah. thirty-two clubs, thirty clubs made a profit, two right. clubs made no profit or or loss, uh, whatsoever. And remarkably enough, Spurs made the biggest profit. Even though they built the stadium. Yeah. Wow, I suppose. Well, yeah, but that's that's interesting. Yeah, Huddersfield came in twelfth with eleven million profit. Remark- was, that, was that in twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen? This was twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll lose. I think we'll lose money from last season because that that didn't take into account so, uh, like stadium improvements that we had to do and things like that. I think, um, but yeah, that you know, I'm proud that we made a profit. I'm proud if we break even because it shows that we're being run properly. And that's all I care about. I don't care if we if we never get back in the Premier League, and you know I don't care if we never win a, a trophy. You know, the odd relegation here and there, the odd promotion here and there. If we bring through young kids, we 
just signed off. Um, Do you only um, really care about being leads? Um, I don't care. Well, yeah, for the for when we're playing them, but I don't care if we're in the division below them or the division above them, as long as no. as long as I can laugh at them occasionally. I'm happy with that. <laughs> when it when it all blows up again this season for them, I can't wait for that. It's going to be brilliant. Um, but yeah, I mean. We've, we're not the biggest we've never been the biggest club in the world we never will be and you know unfortunately clubs just have to have to rein it in clubs just have to be realistic you know with if, if you can fill a seventy-five thousand seat stadium then you're going to be at the in the top six in the premier league every year and if you can't you're not going to be and that's just you know we just have to get used to that um i i, I do i do have issue with a couple of things on Sky Sports, so I mean, on Sky Sports News on Mon- on Tuesday, they had a they had a countdown to to the five pm deadline, which I thought was hideous, absolutely hideous. And Jim White, like it's effing transfer deadline day. It, it we're talking about people's lives and a club going and two clubs going out of business, and they had a goddamn counter on the screen counting down to five o'clock. That is absolutely shocking shockingly bad for them and secondly that they're going on about football finance well i'm sorry but it's sky's fault that people chase the dream of the premier league it's their fault because they're the ones that put in the five billion pound bid for the latest tv deal it's nobody else's fault that people are chasing that dream and clubs are going out of business um Bury are the first, uh, the first in, like we said, nearly 30 years. But there are plenty of clubs before that could have done if the EFL had, or the Premier League had been as strict as they have been with Bury. I mean, Portsmouth had, had, you know, extension after extension. And they're not the only club that have been allowed, you know, to, to go f- months and months in trouble before and eventually... And they're still, still losing money. And Yeah, and they're still losing money, you know. And it's, I just, I mean, it's... It's Jeff Shreves who I hate anyway. He's a hideous little man. I can't stand him. Um, and it, it, just when you see a smug little face saying that something needs to be done in football, it's like, yeah, how about you stop buying the the rights and making these big clubs so rich and taking everything away from everything? I mean, people in, in Bury don't grow up support. You know, kids in Bury grow up supporting Man United and Man City because they've got the world's best players because they've got all the money. And, it, um, you know, and yes, fair enough, they've always been big clubs. They've always had big stadiums and always had the fans to fill them. But, you know, if I grew up in Huddersfield, I grew up supporting Huddersfield. You know, if you, you know, you grow up, you should, if, you can have, you can have a Premier League team. You can, you know, like I say, I, you know, I, I watch Barcelona. I watch, um, I watch a lot of leagues. So I like to have a team that I can follow because it makes it interesting. But if Huddersfield Town ever did get into Europe and played, a Barcelona or something, I would be 100% behind Huddersfield Town. They're my first love. They are my club. Yeah. I'll support them against whoever they're playing. Um, but, you know, the glamour of the Premier League now, it stops fans going to watch their their local clubs. And, you know, it's, it's non-league clubs, it's lower league clubs. And that's where the real football is. You don't have VAR. You don't have goal line technology. You have. It is basically just a step up from park football. And, and that should be the appeal, but it doesn't seem to be, and it's it's sad. It's not anymore. It's the the, the top level is such big business, 
but you something I don't think we've mentioned uh, on the podcast, but something that is going to happen this year is that all the Boxing Day games are going to be on Amazon Prime Video. Ah, I knew they'd got a package. I didn't yes. know what games they were showing. So it's the Boxing Day games. Just what? Just five or six, or all ten? Prem- I think it's all of them. All all ten Premier League games. I suppose yeah, it's a streaming service, isn't it? So they, they're not they're not restricted to to four channels or yeah. That's 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 interesting then. So. I'll, but I'll be, this is this is them dipping the toe in the water. Yeah, well, I know Netflix bid for the same package. Um, it was, you know, I'm, so I'm I'm quite glad I've got. I'm, well, I think everyone's got Amazon Prime, haven't they? But I've got Netflix as well. So, you know, I had eleven bolts last season for the uh, for the La Liga, which you know that's a whole mess at the minute because uh, after this weekend there are no rights in the UK, so I don't know what's going to happen with that. Um, oh, no, I didn't realise that. That's yeah, such, they, they, they 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 pulled out. I mean, they were do they were doing. I enjoyed the eleven sports coverage, and then about halfway through the season, it just went to La Liga TV, which which they just kind of broadcast on eleven sports. So it wasn't eleven sports anymore. It was just them hosting La Liga TV, and uh, they they lost Serie A halfway through last season as well, and it just hasn't worked for them for whatever reason, um, which is a shame because I like seeing a new a new and um a new kid on the block if you like you know something different so yeah i'll be, I'll be interested to see what's happening on boxing day then with um with amazon prime because you know that 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 could be interesting if they can compete to get some packages and and make it competitive again and potentially drive prices down i don't know if it would they or... won't they won't drive prices down what they'll do they'll give it all the way free they've done it with the us open tennis that's all only available yeah. to amazon Prime subscribers now my concern is amazon have more money than most companies they made 72 billion dollars revenue last quarter if they want to turn around to the Premier League and say, well, actually, we're going to take all of your games, mate, is $10 billion. It means nothing to them. Yeah, 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 that's true. And that's the worry, that this is a toe in the water to see how many they get. Now, as a purely taking it from the other angle, somebody who can't travels a lot, can't get to a lot of games, can't do that, can't do a lot of things, I watched the highlights of my local team, Trinity. I watched highlights without fail. Um, but if I want to watch Liverpool at 3 o'clock on a Saturday, mm. I can't do that. Even though I can't get to my... I, I would watch my local team live, but they don't stream live. I'm not in the country. And or if I'm the other end of the country in the UK, I'm on vacation or whatever reason, I can't go to a match. It seems very strange that you can't watch a game live, yet they're shown live in other countries. Yeah, it's just this whole, uh, it's the archaic rule, isn't it? The the old blackout, not allowed to show any live football between 3pm and 5.15. Because um, they, back whenever it was brought in, back in the dark ages, they they feared that it would stop people going to games if they could just watch it on the telly, but it wouldn't. I mean, I would never. You don't choose... go to you don't go to a non-league game 
for the game of football itself. You go seeing friends. Yeah, it's the whole community. The the buzz you get from being live. And you can and you can walk around the ground. You can mingle with the opposition fans with no segregation. You can talk to the players and the managers of both teams in the bar after the game. you can have a beer out on the pitch as long as it's not an FA competition, uh, not on the pitch, but in the stand, in the stands, and that's why non-league football is amazing. Unfortunately, none of my three kids seem to have any interest in football, so and I'm on my own with them on a on a Saturday, so my football going days are curtailed at the moment. It's been a long time since I went to a game, um, and it well, apart from the Barcelona one in April, of course, but it. It, it, that rule needs to be lifted now because they can't even they're not even allowed to show a Spanish game or an Italian game or all the German games that kick off well they could show the first half hour of them because they kick off at half two on a Saturday um, but then they'd have to stop show broadcasting it at half two and it, it's just you know no nobody if you're passionate about your club whoever it be whether it is Bury whether it is Man United if you're passionate about that club and you can afford to go you're going to go to your club's game you're not going to stay at home and watch, I don't know, Real Madrid v Celta Vigo. You're not, you're not going to do it. You're not going to, you're not going to stay at home and watch another English game. You're going to go and watch your club. If you've got a ticket or you've got the means to go to a game, surely you're going to choose to go to the game. So this, this whole blackout needs needs to be needs to be ended, and they can broadcast it and then charge a subscription. The club, you know, I would pay. Huddersfield Town, like 10, 15 quid a month, if it meant I could watch their games on the internet, because I can't, you know, I'm, I'm in Berkshire now, I'm 200 miles away. So they need to do something there and allow the, co- the clubs to stream the games themselves, um, maybe through the, the, uh, the EFL cameras or, you know, the Sky cameras that are there, and they pay a percentage of the, of the subscription to them. And then the fans... Well, you know that every club has international fans that want to watch their team, and you know a lot of countries do show them. But you know, Championship, League One, League Two, they're not available readily on TV abroad. So if the clubs were able to stream them on, um, you know, on their websites or this I follow crap that's going on, or even through their own club app, then you know that's another revenue stream, and it it should be allowed to be explored. Yeah, uh, as far as I'm concerned, it should should be able to uh, to do this because I'm used to sports in America where unless it's on national TV and they have a an exclusive deal with one broadcaster for that match across the whole of the the whole of the country, it's always you can always watch the game, you can always see the game because you don't can't always get to the games and you think you were spoken about liverpool man united tottenham and you can't get tickets for half of these no exactly and even as you go lower down people couldn't necessarily afford 40 quid for a championship ticket but they could afford 40 pound a month for a subscription to it Mm. yeah exactly like yeah like i said 10 15 quid to to subscribe to your club's um, live streams. And, you know, the, think of the thousands of fans that would do that, the, the fans that live abroad, the fans that, like like me, are, are, are displaced elsewhere in the country. You know, you, you would pay that, even if you knew you'd only maybe be able to watch two of them a, a month. You would still pay that, because five, six, seven quid a game, 
that's all, that's all right. That's doable. That's manageable. And if you're watching four game matches a month, happy days. It's three or four quid a match. It it just seems a no-brainer to me. It generates loads of extra revenue. Um, it you know it. I I can't see an issue. I mean, obviously there's the bandwidth issues and you know the internet in this country isn't great unless you've got fiber which you know not everybody does it's not it's not accessible everywhere but you know if you can if you're on a on a train journey and you can pick your phone up log into your club's app and watch their game while you're on the train how good's that i mean i just i i don't and would you even need to lift this three o'clock ban this blackout uh, to put it on your on a club app because you'd have to pay a subscription and sign in and have you know and I, I i can't understand how how in this day and age with all the streaming services that are around everybody streams now there's nobody in this country that doesn't stream whether it's on youtube or whatever i can't believe that it isn't a thing i really can't it just baffles me it creates it creates jobs because you'd you'd have commentators um you'd maybe have people doing interviews and with the managers and the players You'd have maybe cameramen if you you know if you had to do that rather than um, uh, using EFL cameras or whatever. You know, it's just I, yeah, I just I don't get it. I don't get why it isn't a thing. No, I don't understand either. It's uh, it it makes no sense to me whatsoever um, as to why you're not able to do that. But um, you mentioned watching La Liga and Real Madrid and so if they're, they're running a little poll, uh, Ike Casillas uh, is asking Real Madrid fans to say who do they want? Neymar, Pogba or Ronaldo back? Oh really? What's this on Twitter? I've not seen this. Oh, this is uh, it's actually I'm reading off Sky Sports uh, at the moment I think he's I'm presuming he's asked it on Twitter. Yeah, 8.8 million followers. quarter of a million responded and only 14% said let Neymar come. I think the way he's acted at PSG has probably sullened his transfer value. Um, Pogba was 22% and 64% would like Ronaldo back, which Ronaldo would be a fool to ever go back because he's godlike status at the moment. And so why would you risk um, lose? Doing the second, the second tour, as it were, is never as good as the first. Yeah, you should never go back. Definitely. Um, I, yeah, I'm just bringing the story up now. I'm just. Uh... But I'm just trying to work out how financial fair play works over there. In um, does it work in in Spain in Spanish football? Because Barcelona and Real Madrid seem to throw money around like water. They were, Zidane spent a quarter of a million pounds <laughs> trying to rebuild his squad it's um i don't i mean obviously they have the uefa financial fair play i don't know if i don't think la liga actually have any um i've never heard of any uh i mean yeah barcelona spent spent some good money um if you know if they bring neymar in that which i don't think is going to happen now um that would be that would be ridiculous uh of course 100 and 20 million euros on on Antoine Griezmann um then but then Atletico have also spent a lot of money this window as well I think I think they spent about 800 million between them the three of them um so some serious spending and the worst thing is Real Madrid none of their 
signings. I caveat that by saying uh, Hazard is injured at the minute, but none of their signings are getting in the team. Their team at the weekend was the same, bar uh, Ronaldo and Kelo Navas, the goalkeeper who was on the bench, was the same as in 2015. So all that money and none of the players are getting in the team. Obviously, as I said, Eden Hazard would. But yeah, I just... (laughs) I mean... The, the Barcelona match of the weekend against Real Betis was just sensational. It was a fantastic game. Um, Betis scored, uh, took the lead, and then Barcelona went went and scored five. Uh, Griezmann got a couple with brilliant goals. Uh, th- there were seven goals, all from open play, and they were all fantastic. I would urge anyone, go on, um, on La Liga's YouTube channel and, and watch them or catch the ITV hi- ITV4 highlights. It was just a fantastic game um i think there were only 11 goals in the other nine games and there were seven in this one um young kid carlos perez 21 years of age scored uh, his first goal for the club and they brought on ansu fati a 16 year old um the second youngest ever player to make his debut for the club and he was sensational i mean he didn't even look overawed when they told him he was coming because he was on the bench because Messi, Suarez, Dembele are all injured. So he was on the bench. So he was already living the dream. And then you could see it when they told him he was coming on. My God, the smile on the kid was unbelievable. Um, And he came on the pitch and he was outstanding. He had about 12, 13 minutes and he was looking to get the ball. He was taking players on. He was lightning quick. He even had a brilliant shot, which went just wide. And I mean, the kid's 16, and if that's what we can look forward to as Barca fans, wow, he the was question unbelievable. Is, does he have good hair or bad hair like Harvey Elliott has very bad hair? <laughs> he, um, he, um, he was very, very short, very, very short. He might even have been... And then he didn't put a little bob on the top? Or no, he didn't, have, he, he didn't have a Gareth Bale top, but no, no, no. Oh, that's all right then, because <laughs> <laughs> just, it was just something I saw of. Maybe I'm just getting old and just thought, oh, that's really bad hair, that is. That's just so bad. Come on, I'm glad you're great. Glad you can play football, because, is, oh, is it just, Is it not just hair envy on your part, that? <laughs> oh, well, yes, it could be a little bit of that. That was a low blow. I apologise. <laughs> uh, you don't need to apologise. Um, good things for English football. Obviously, Virgil van Dijk is not English, but he plays in England. He's been named UEFA Men's mm. Player of the Year. But Lucy Bronze has been named Female Player of the Year. Yeah, both fantastic decisions. Um, the, the Virgil van Dijk one especially is is fantastic because, obviously, it, all, these awards always go to the flair players, the, the ones that score all the goals. Um, don't need to name the players that normally win it. He, so he did see, have to beat both of those two. Exactly. Um, and it's fully deserved. I mean, you you don't need to be a genius to see the difference he's made at Liverpool. Um, him and um, you know, Alisson in goal have completely solved their defensive issues. He He's, he's just... He's so... He's, he's so calm isn't he he he's never flustered um it doesn't matter who he's up against and um i think on the weekend against arsenal um uh, pepe nicholas pepe i think he became the first player since he moved to liverpool 
that has beaten Virgil van Dijk in a one-on-one. And he's been there 18 months. Uh, the, the guy is just uber cool. He just, he's, he cannot be flustered. Um, and it, he, of course, he's dominant in both penalty areas. Um, he'd fully, fully deserved to win it. Uh, if you try to buy him now from Liverpool, I mean, you'd be talking eclipsing the Neymar fee. They wouldn't, they wouldn't accept less than a world record fee. Uh, that's how important he was. They wouldn't win. They wouldn't have won the Champions League without him. They wouldn't have got to the final the year before without him. Um, whatever they win this season um, will be largely due to um, his contributions as well. Because, yeah, he is got to be one of. Uh, he will by the time he retires be one of the best defenders of all time. There is no doubt about it. He is special. He definitely is. He's he's did and beat say and yeah, and just uh, going on to uh, Lucy Bronze, That's that's so so good for for English women's football. Um, she's such a great role model. Uh, I listen. I watched the vast well ninety percent of the of the World Cup. I listened to all the five live podcasts during it. Um, and and she just she just comes across. She's really level headed. She plays for Leon, doesn't she? So I th- yes, she I does. Think, did she win the Ballon d'Or as well? She she got the silver ball at the World Cup. Yeah, and I can't remember if she won the Ballon d'Or or if she finished. Oh no, because uh, the uh, that Norwegian girl, um, Ed uh, uh, Hedgeberg. Yeah, the best player in the world who refused to go to the World Cup. Yeah, but she's got reasons, and I largely agree with them. To be fair, I agree with them, but it's hard to do a protest if you're the only person protesting. It is. It is. I know, but. Is you know someone's got to start somewhere, haven't they? And you know, I I, f- I feel for her though because it, you know it must be heartbreaking for her not to be able to go or to not feel like she can go to a World Cup. Um, but yeah, for for Lucy Bronze, absolutely brilliant. She was fantastic in the World Cup. A bit of fault for the uh, USA goal when she was you know caught out by the cross, but that happens to anybody. Um, brilliant goal that she scored um, in that three nil win. Was it Cameroon, wasn't it? Absolutely sensational yep. goal. And, yeah, I mean, I'm no women's football expert, but she is, again, special, fantastic player. And um, we are very, very lucky that she's English. Yes, definitely so. Um, England were playing tonight and they drew 3 all away in oh, Belgium. Oh, got an equaliser. I saw you 3-2. They went 2-0 yep. up, didn't they? And, um, yeah, they did. Two. Oh, I'm, glad they got a re- I'm glad they came back and got a result. Yeah, it's uh, and Wolves are leading Torino at the minute. Okay, four two got... on an aggregate. Okay, so it's one nil on the night. Yeah, I mean they won three yep. two in Turin. It's a that's a brilliant result for them. Um, I think they could if they take it seriously. I know they haven't got a massive squad, um, but I they, I don't think they'd ever be in danger of going down. So I would like. To I hope be... not because they, they they finished bottom of the financial last season with a yeah. loss of forty five million. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Well, that'll be all going to Jorge Mendes, I imagine. Um, but I, I, I hope they give it a proper go when they get to the group stage, um, because I doubt they'll go down. Even if they have a bad season, I can't see them going down. Um, so, because I think they could go pretty deep in that competition, and it, you know, that would be fantastic for. For I know, I know they've. I, I don't necessarily agree with the way they've the way they're associated with that guy and how they do things, but they are brilliant to watch and they would give a lot of teams a good old game in that, in that competition. And 
yeah, as I said, they're not they're not going to be in any danger of going down. There's there's some awful crap in the Premier League at the minute, um, even without us in there anymore. Uh, so, well, they've had three draws. It's been a mundane start to the season, but they'll they'll be able to continue on. Oh, it's yeah. a l- another little snippet. Just mentioned all the crap that's going on and dodgy dealings and stuff like that. Derby County, Aston Villa, and Sheffield Wednesday. What do you think they have in common? Um, all fallen giants. <laughs> in some respects, yes. But if I mention Pride Park, Villa Park, Hillsborough, uh, not one of those clubs owns their ground. Oh, anymore. really? Okay. They've sold them to their owner and leased them back on a long-term lease. Uh, right. To get around the financial fair play rules. Yes. Oh, I knew that. Only about, and we've. I knew that about Derby actually. Yeah, that. Yes. That's not going to end well for any of them three. No, and that's that becomes a problem, and that I find that very, um, very worrisome that the trend goes there because, like we've just said, if you own the ground, at least you've something to fall back on if you've got hard times, and you don't have rent to pay, and you don't have a lot of things to go and you can develop it you can do what you like but if it's not yours then you're scuppered somewhat and while we all know that owners have the best of intentions while they're running the club when they're not running the club it's just money that they want back yeah yeah that's that's hopefully we won't see because they're three fantastic old clubs you know just got english football history just coursing through the very their very being haven't they all three of those clubs um famous famous old clubs of course villa park and hillsborough were always fa cup semi-final grounds weren't they and villa park even hosted a uefa cup final i think 20 odd years ago um i think it was an all it was an awful final was it juve and inter or something and it it was nil nil and went to penalties it was an awful match um but yeah they're they're unbelievable old grounds those two and of course pride parks a lot newer um but it's still a, a fantastic ground and yeah i just hope that doesn't um you know we don't end up talking about them in a few no. years time in the same no. same sort of breath um as you say with at least bury do own their ground whether they'll ever see any money out of it with the amount of debt that seems to be piled onto it doesn't um doesn't look promising um but I mean, Huddersfield Town, we don't own our ground either, to be honest. Um, we're trying to become the majority shareholder, but that's been rumbling on for for 20 years. And oh, it's just, yeah, I mean, they can, they can be a millstone around the neck if, if you're liable for the costs, the running costs. But as you say, they can also be the safety net if you come into a bit of financial trouble. And um, yeah, it's, 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 it's never good. There, there's no... <laughs> each club's different i guess isn't it so you know it's never a good way where they do it shared like that but i would love us to own our ground because we're we're pretty well run we're self-sufficient um so i would like us to own our ground it's complicated because we share with the rugby league team but yeah for those for those clubs ooh, i wouldn't like to see any of those three going no. going into a, a bury or bolton situation um you know, we we haven't even touched on Bolton this week or really last week, and I suppose we maybe should finish with with a little chat on them, maybe. 
Well, what I was going to finish on as we're running out of time fast was touching back on a story from the beginning of the year. Okay, beginning of the year? Beginning of the year. Oh, okay. FIFA have given Cardiff City and Nantes until the 5th of ah. September to sort out their differences over the £50 million transfer fee of Ilmanio Sala. Uh, and it's just speaking of money that people owe, it's a horrible situation. Oh, but... God, how bad has 2019 been? I mean, and and the back end of 2018 as well, of course, with the, you know, with the Leicester City tragedy as well. It's just been a horrible, horrible few months, hasn't it? It, it has, but... Hopefully, if if you're looking at it from the other point of view, what what we had? Sorry, what happens if they don't? What, what FIFA the, will adjudicate, which is then subject to appeal. Because nonce were saying that the transfer wasn't legal, weren't they? Because there was something. Not no, right. they were saying it was legal, so they wanted the money. All oh, right, and, and Cardiff. Are tr- yeah, that's right. And Cardiff are trying to say that it, there was something. It's not legally binding because you yeah. haven't touched down. It's. Well, he had, yeah. because he'd, he'd, he'd been in Cardiff, and then he'd gone back to Nuns to say goodbye. So he, he had signed for them. So I'd, I mean, obviously, I'm I'm no expert on anything, so I, I couldn't comment on that. But I, without knowing everything, I'd be siding with Nuns on this one, because he... I think it'll probably end up being not the full transfer fee, but Cardiff will have to pay something. Yeah, it's... it's uh, because it's one of those situations he would never have gotten on the plane if they hadn't have said that they wanted to buy him. And because he hadn't registered, he's not legally binding because he hadn't registered as a Premier League player and all this sort of stuff. And that's going to be... just thought they would have insurance. Yeah, that's, that's that is, that's, that's going to always live on as, as one of the most heartbreaking stories ever in football. You know, it's, it's up there with, you know, like the... The Munich and and things like that is, you know, when you when you have something like that, because as well you think about it in the context of Cardiff season last season. I mean, they they almost stayed up, and you just feel that if they'd signed a quality striker like like Salah was, you can't help thinking that you know it, they could have stayed up last season. And oh yeah, a horrible horrible thing that happened. I promise you we will talk about Bolton next week. But in the meantime, where can we find your thoughts out there on the internet? Uh, yeah, you can find me at GamerJamesFM on Twitter. Um, all, all things football or YouTube or Football Manager or anything really goes on there. So yeah, give us a follow on there. And uh, loved it again this week. We go again next week. We do go again next week. You can always go across to the podcast website. as we go again podcast.com. And you can always go and follow us on Facebook at uh, Facebook slash We Go Again Podcast. But whatever you're doing, I thank you for listening.